You're listening to FNR, Football Nation Radio. Up next, it's the business of football on Football Bosses. At FNR, Football Nation Radio, we believe Australia is a football nation. With 3.1 million people actively involved in the game, 1.96 million people playing the game, 31% of which are women and girls, and a massive one in two kids between the ages of 6 and 13 also playing the game, that's two to three times more than any other sport. Why wouldn't we believe it? We are your voice of football. FNR Football Nation Radio. FNR Football Nation Radio is Australia's only 24-hour-a-day radio station dedicated to football. Listen online at footballnationradio.com or get mobile by downloading the Football Nation Radio app from the Google Play Store or the App Store to listen to us every hour, every day, 365 days a year. We are your voice of football. FNR Football Nation Radio. Be part of Australian sport's most exciting lineup of 2017 with the Money in Sport Conference over three big days at the Star Broad Beach on the Gold Coast, November 12 to 14. Industry leaders in Australian and international sport will reveal the latest trends and developments in sports marketing, a forum for personal development and commercial growth. The Money in Sport Conference offers networking opportunities with key individuals who've mastered the art of making money in sport. Book now at moneyinsport.com. Are you looking to change your destiny in life? Be your own boss? Start your own business? If you are, you need people who understand your needs and are committed to helping you make it happen. At DKP and Co Chartered Accountants, we are more than just accountants. We are business advisors, taxation consultants, and strategists that specialize in setting up businesses. We understand the client and give them the very best customized advice and strategies to achieve their goals. Visit our website, dkpco.com.au, or give us a call today on 03 9023 9370. Fast, proactive, personal. That's DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants. Have you tried and failed to lose weight before? Losing unwanted body weight can be tough, and keeping it off even tougher. What if I told you there was a program that has helped over 45,000 people worldwide to lose almost 500,000 kilos of unwanted body fat? Eat for Lean offers the world's most advanced weight management program to help you get the body you've always wanted. And if you aren't satisfied at the end of the program, you'll get your money back. No questions asked. Don't look back in 12 months from now and regret not starting today. Go to eatforlean.com to find out more and join the program. Introducing Lanco Group for innovative engineering consulting services. Lanco Group provides superior civil engineering and innovative solutions to developers, local government and service authorities. Working closely with clients, Lanco Group helps meet the complex infrastructure requirements for residential, commercial and industrial developments. On time, on budget. Find out more at lancogroup.com.au. Lanco Group, your business partner for engineering solutions. Missed your favourite show? No problem. You can listen to FNR anytime, anywhere. At FNR Football Nation Radio, we make all our shows available on podcast. All you need to do is visit soundcloud.com forward slash FNR underscore Football Nation Radio and download all the on-demand listening your heart desires. We are your voice of football. FNR Football Nation Radio. FNR Football Nation Radio is your voice of football across the country. So join the conversation on our live shows by ringing our talkback number double nine double four double nine double nine. That's double nine double four double nine double nine. FNR Football Nation Radio, a radio revolution. At FNR Football Nation Radio, we love our sponsors, don't we, Louise? That's right, Carlos. Whether it be exclusive naming rights to a daily or weekly show or a package that rotates their professionally produced radio commercial hundreds of times through our key listening periods, 
FNR loves providing sponsors advertising packages that suit all budgets. So if you want to advertise your product or service to FNR's pure football audience, email us today, station at footballnationradio.com.au or give us a call on 03 Connect with your football nation. And feel the love. Sponsor FNR Football Nation Radio today. DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Yeah, welcome to the Football Bosses. Uh, tonight uh, we're joined by a very special guest uh, in the studio. Where Tony Pinata is with me. He's always with me. But the other man uh, sitting alongside tonight is Lou Sticker. Lou, welcome. Thank you. For those who don't know, Lou, Lou's the Managing Director of Tribal Sports Group and uh, been around the game for quite some time. Lou, we, we thank you for joining us uh, for this Football Bosses program. We're going to touch on quite a few issues uh, over the next hour. And one of the, the hot topics at the moment, of course, is around the second division. We'll touch on that. Uh, there was a proposal released uh, earlier this week uh, discussing the viability of a second division. Well, I want to get stuck into the financials of that, but uh, I want to start off with these two blokes sitting in the studio with me were responsible for bringing Alessandro Del Piero to this competition in this country. And uh, Tony, uh, to you and to Lou, I know that uh, a lot has been spoken about over the years about uh, the influence and impact that Del Piero had. Luke, just take us back a little bit uh, on on that and 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 how that came about. Well, I suppose even before Del Piero, um, I'd experienced the whole marquee uh, situation right from the advent of the A League with uh, Dwight York. Um, after Dwight, um, we um, had the Japanese star uh, Kazu um, Ka- uh, Kazuyoshi Miura, his full name, but everyone uh, affectionately known him as uh, Ka- uh, Kazu. I wasn't involved in Janino, but Sydney FC had um, uh, brought him out as well, a Brazilian World Cup winner. So that particular club and the A League had already established a, a relationship with uh, Marquis, and I think. It's fair to say that uh, right from the outset, every time a marquee of that calibre was brought to the A-League, we saw a spike in crowds, television interest, sponsorship. So um, I was already hooked on the whole um, premise of uh, marquees. With Alessandro, I'd uh, Tony had just uh, started at uh, Sydney FC, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd already dealt with uh, Tony when he was at Wellington Phoenix, and... Uh, uh, I suppose even that was uh, built around a marquee game with LA Galaxy and a marquee player in uh, uh, David Beckham and the impact that he had on the MLS and uh, uh, specifically Los Angeles Galaxy. So Tony and I, you know, inadvertently already um, worked together in a marquee environment. So when Tony started at, um, at Sydney, uh, I made him aware of uh, a conversation that I'd been... Uh, running with Alessandro for about three or four months uh, and that was is that um, I uh, try to get across to Italy once or twice a year uh, to watch Juventus, that's the club that uh, I have a, a real soft spot for, for uh, as you know uh, Zappa, <laughs> I, stru- I was struggling there them? because nah. I was just thinking of all the money we spent on yeah, flight to right. Berlin and, and the lost <laughs> Champions League games we've lost, exactly uh, so yeah. we'll get there, yeah we'll get there but um, so so I'd already established a, a bit of a rapport with Alessandro and, and Juventus and all the rest of it. And when Tony slotted into the chair at uh, Sydney FC, um, I had a pretty positive opportunity to advance this uh, discussion with uh, uh, with uh, Alessandro. So I made Tony aware of it. And uh, to Tony's credit, his uh, reaction was, uh, let's explore this to the fullest. Um, and he garnered support from... Uh, his club and his uh, chairman Scott Barlow uh, got the all clear and uh, basically 
the rest is history. We um, we uh, we made a, a really serious push. Um, we got the right response from Alessandro and his management. Tony and I hopped on a plane, and then the rest is uh, is, is there. You know, we saw the impact that Alessandro uh, did for the for the A League for Sydney Football Club merchandise, all the metrics that you want. He's what you would call a genuine marquee. There's a funny story. Um, we're flying over, and um, we still couldn't believe that they actually wanted to speak to us face-to-face. And uh, I remember saying to me, he goes, if we get off the plane and there's a sign saying, Tony Pinata loose sticker for a car waiting for us, we're in. So that was the first thing we looked out and hopped off at uh, Milan, and uh, there was a sign. So... Uh, Things were looking good, but um, yeah, I mean, I an extraordinary coup. It was an extraordinary coup, and uh, not something that we ever thought would happen here in this country. And, and in my belief is that we need more of it. Can you talk to us about you talk about the financial metrics and all the things that go with a marquee? Either of you, when you look back, was it a success from a financial point of view? We're, we're talking about football bosses. We're talking about the financial side of our sport. Financially, Tony, as the CEO at the time, was it a, a bet worth taking? I, I definitely. I mean, when in 2012 Sydney had 6,000 members, um, sponsorship was at 500,000, our crowds were at 11,000, it needed something. And Sydney's a market where they thrive on that celebrity status. Um, it's a different market to, to Melbourne, I've always said it. And Alessandro gave us. So, you know, we went from 6,000 to 8 to 10 while he was there. And we dragged in these these people uh, to the games that are still there. They're, they're going to be at 15,000 members now, five years, six years on. Sponsorship's gone by sixfold. So he really did add a lot. I mean, you still go in the stadium at Allianz and you'll see Del Piero shirts. I mean, the amount of shirts that they sold. Now, yes, we paid him a lot of money, but if you take the money, what we paid him and what we earned, it's a small uh, portion. And I think uh, having been at a lot of the games away from Allianz Stadium, what I did notice, especially in the first season, was the excitement whenever Del Piero was in town, the excitement when Del Piero was in Adelaide, the excitement when he was in Melbourne and in Perth. It, it boosted their crowds as well. Well, if I, if I can jump in on that one, if, you, if you're looking at one of the key metrics, and I can, nom- I can nominate a few players that have achieved this, a, a true metric of a marquee is the away crowds. What that marquee does when he plays in a hostile environment, which is the away team. Um, so, so, say whether it be Perth, whether it be Adelaide, um, you'll find that when Dwight York, Benito Carboni, even though he played three games, um, Alessandro, 100%, you'll see that those crowds at those home games were the biggest that, that that club had had during the season. So if you if you ask Perth Glory or Adelaide United to go through their attendances when Alessandro first played at their ground with Sydney FC, you'll find that that was their biggest crowd for the season. That is what a true marquee does. It not only impacts the club that he's going to, but it impacts all the other clubs in the A-League. So everyone benefits. Keeping in mind, too, that... Uh, the situation then was that merchandise, and I'm not sure if that still applies today, merchandise sold at a particular club, a portion of that goes into a pool that is then shared amongst all of the 10 clubs. So Sydney selling all these thousands of Adidas uh, uh, shirts branded with Del Piero and Sydney FC, that was also trickling through to the other nine clubs. That, again, is the, tr- the true value of a marquee. Then we add TV numbers, the general interest in the league, um, the sort of crazy requests that we're still getting today. I'm still getting today companies coming to us, advertising agencies wanting access to people like Dwight, to Alessandro. Uh, Can you get us um, uh, in touch with their representatives because we'd like to do a a TV advertisement for uh, betting or for pasta or whatever it might be. Those are the genuine marquees. I, I want to discuss why we don't have any in the league at the moment. And uh, there's been a lot of discussion about this, Lou, and uh, the influence of the Asian market and the ability of Chinese clubs in particular to pay the big money, which is making it more difficult for Australian clubs. Is it just that, or is it that the appetite from A-League chairmen's, a chairman has, has evaporated over the last few years? Look, first, firstly, one has to say, I'm not going to sit here and criticise clubs 
for not spending money to bring marquees. It's very easy, and especially being an agent um, or a fan, to expect the chairman or owner of a club just just to write out cheques. It's easy to spend other people's money. So um, a lot of courage uh, is shown by owners of clubs just to run their business, let alone to then go outside and over and beyond and bring in marquees. So one has to give credit. But I'd love to see more of an appetite for marquees. Yes, it's always going to be difficult, even when Dwight York in year one and Alessandro in year nine or eight, whenever it was, we're always competing with other markets. If it's not China, it's Japan. If it's not Japan, it's the MLS. If it's not the MLS, it's the UAE. There are always going to be uh, extenuating circumstances where there are markets that are throwing money around. We, 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 we took an approach not to get into a discussion about money with uh, Del Piero's management in the first instance. We spoke about other things call it the project, the, the, the legacy, being able to go to a country and uh, be responsible for the growth of the game. People like what uh, David Beckham did in the MLS. A lot of players uh, that are deep thinkers about their role in the game, and Alessandro was one of them, and there are many others who love the idea of actually making an impact. So going somewhere and being touted as the person responsible for the growth of the game. So it's finding out what the pressure points are, what people's uh, family situations are like, the city, the money, the, 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 the climate, the proximity to other things that they love. So take Dwight. Dwight was a single man. When he came to Sydney, it's not a very hard sell to sell Sydney, the harbour, the bridge, the nightlife, the tourism, to someone that's single like Dwight. You know, his, uh, his, his uh, nickname was All Night Dwight uh, before he got to Sydney, and I think he, he kept that going, uh, although he was always a professional. And that's good for the league because he then starts to appear on the front page and the back page and the confidential pages and the social pages, which helps the profile of the league in general. And other players around the world see that. So if they see a David Beckham coming out to Australia to play with the LA Galaxy, that ticks a box. Uh, If they see Dwight York on the front page of the Confidential, that ticks a box. They see Alessandro with his kids at the beach, that ticks a box. So the the, the point I'm getting to is is that if we make it all about money, well, we're going to lose. We're going to lose to China. We're going to lose to the MLS. We're going to lose to the UAE at any given time someone in that country is just going to write, write out a bigger cheque. So, so why we, haven't we had anyone since Del Piero? Uh, look, Tony, you might have an opinion. I, was, I probably would summarise it and say it's probably part of the other pressure points that are happening in the, in the game at the moment. We lack, um, we lack a plan going forward. We lack a vision. We lack uh, confidence. So if you're running a club... Um, it, you need to ha- you need to be confident in the business outlook. Uh, the clubs are probably arguing that they're not getting a big enough share of the financial pie, and until they do that, they can't justify writing out more checks. So I think it's part of a bigger uh, issue. Um, there are probably some instances of marquees that have come who I wouldn't call them marquees, I'd probably call them accounting exercises, it was just an opportunity or a way of a club getting another player into the roster um, by calling him a marquee I think the word marquee's been really poorly used um, and so so all the experiences are probably not pleasurable for the people that have to spend the money Yeah and, and I think Greg O'Rourke touched on, on this because there was a $3 million fund in the last broadcast rights um, and coaches are now wanting players who can because you, you know Lou when you bring out say someone like Alessandro he was 37, 38 at the time mate he had a great first year I thought he had a good second season as well uh, but coaches are wanting different type of players uh, the A-League is, is a more of a, a game now built on, on, on running um, and 
you know, ultimately they, they're the ones who are going to make the, the decisions. And I know from a Sydney FC point of view, we looked at um, we looked at Biddle, for example, and we discussed it at board level. Uh, I know Lou was uh, in, in discussion, um, and ultimately it was Graham's decision on whether we would go to the next step. And ultimately that was built around the style of play that Graham wanted the, the team to play, etc. And, and you know, someone at Biddle couldn't couldn't deliver that. That's First and foremost, we've always maintained that it's going to be a football decision. And, uh, you know, another one we looked at was, was Ronaldinho as well. And, again, that was based on, on a football decision. Well, see, this is this is where I'm at loggerheads. Um, I think a marquee should not be left to the coach of any club to decide on whether we bring a marquee in or not. I mean, we let's look at the bigger picture. Where football... We've gone from 15 years ago being a fringe sport, always great participation numbers, but fringe, minor, call it whatever you like. 2005, we've now bounced into the mainstream alongside cricket, Aussie rules, NRL, rugby union, tennis, and we may bounce around at the bottom of that five or six of our top sports, but categorically, football, soccer, we are in the mainstream of Australian sport. Being in the mainstream of Australian sport, we are now competing for in, in a very, very saturated market. Uh, Melbourne, 10 AFL clubs, an NRL club. Uh, uh, um, Draft week uh, gets more coverage yeah. than the A-League at the start in, of the A-League season. Australia is a unique country, yeah. probably only matched by America in terms of the number of elite sports that are all fighting for a slice of a very, very small pie spread over a very, very big landmass. So we are a unique country, uh, and that presents problems. So we're fighting for the entertainment dollar. Families have X amount of dollars that they can spend. We're talking working-class families, families whose whose mum's probably the mum's working a second job. Uh, to make ends meet they have X amount of dollars left over so it's a question of do we go to the pictures this weekend do we go down to the beach do we go to uh, uh, watch an AFL game do, you go, do we go and watch an A-League game it comes down to entertainment and as much as the coach of an A-League club is a very important part of the structure the marquee player needs to have needs to be the decision for a marquee needs to be spread more alongside the chairman the CEO the marketing and the football uh, department gets its say as well the reality is most coaches were offered Alessandro and I could I, I still got uh, some texts of, of coaches that I offered uh, Alessandro to before speaking to Tony and some of the responses that I got were just absolutely incredible so the reality is if if Tony hadn't sat in the chair and didn't have a chairman and an owner like David Traktovenko and, and Scott Barlow, um, not many other clubs would have had the courage to do what they did. The reality is we need courage. We need, um, we need to be confident in the future of the sport for all the reasons that we spoke about a couple of minutes ago. But the reality is when it comes to a, a genuine marquee, um, I don't think it should be an FFA decision. I don't agree with a centralised fund. I think it should be the clubs themselves who make the decision. Now, if you're playing with all, the greatest of, of respect to Graham Arnold and the greatest of respect to Sydney FC, when you have, when we put Alessandro into Sydney, it's fair to say it was a horrible team. It was a horrible time in the transition of the football team uh, in its history. It, it was at the lowest ebb. So to put an Alessandro into a team that was struggling, um, I, th I think negated some of the uh, some of the, the the benefits. You look at last year's team that Sydney FC had on the park, unbeaten at home, incredible results. An Alessandro in a team like that would have gone a long way to filling that stadium. And here you are, you are watching Sydney FC play at home now. On a Sunday night, followed up by a Friday night, I've heard all the excuses. The reality is 10,000 people on the Friday night is abysmal. 
And if we continue to get crowds like that, well, then the A-League is doomed. Make no bones about it. So you can say whatever you like about coaches and style of play and all the rest of it. We've got to find a happy medium where we get the entertainment and the coaching and the results it's a fascinating conversation, Lou. One we're going to pick up after the break. Uh, and what Lou's saying here, uh, Tony, I reckon is that uh, the clubs and the chairman don't have faith in the strategy of, of the FFA. That's one of the, the key uh, sore points at the moment. We'll pick up more of this discussion after this break. Michael Zapponi, Tony Pinata, and our special guest, Lou Sticker on the Football Box. Welcome back to the Football Bosses on FNR. Michael Zapponi, Tony Pignata, and our special guest tonight is the Managing Director of Tribal Sports Group, Lou Sticker. A fascinating discussion on marquees. We're going to move the discussion on, Lou, uh, onto the second division. Uh, and last week we saw a proposal by the Australian Association of Football Clubs uh, to, to put together a paper to discuss um, the emergence of a second division. Uh, it's a debate uh, worth having now. Uh, the proposal itself, uh, Tony, raises a few questions. Uh, they have put together a framework around uh, financial metrics and uh, loose criteria around a stadium and, and all these sorts of things. But one thing I think is clear is that the 10 teams that we currently have running around the A-League is not enough to continue to f- develop our players uh, for the long term. Just not enough kids are getting the opportunity to play senior football at the highest level. What were your initial uh, thoughts on uh, the proposal put forward last week by, by the association? Um, just before even sort of looking at the proposal, I think a Division 2 is, is needed. Um, we need we need something in the league, some aspiration to give some of these clubs who have been um, you know, toiling in the uh, state leagues I'm not 100% sold on the actual proposal. Um, you know, stuff like you know, 3,000 seater stadium. I don't know if that's enough to you know to pay for the expenses, etc. You know, the salary cap. I think a lot more work needs to be done. But it is a starting point. It's a blueprint. It's something that uh, you know we can start the discussions. I was actually pretty disappointed with FFA to come out straight away and say no. Um, I think they should just take their time, read it, engage a little bit more. Um, and and develop uh, you know the discussion around the division two and and how it should look. I think in its current blueprint probably needs a lot more work. The competition, uh, Lou, under the proposal said it would begin in the season 2019-2020, um, aligned with the A League summer months. And uh, the clubs, when we look at the financial side of it, they're talking about uh, between 12 and 16 clubs. Most of them would come from NPL competitions. And uh, this is where I'd love to get your view, is on the forecast annual budget of around $2.5 million per team, an annual licence of $150,000 a year. You know the finances of of clubs and and how they work. Is that a realistic number? First of all, can I I set my uh, opinion on... Sure. On, on football and the romance of having uh, tiered levels of football. Do you agree that 10, 10... Let's start with this. Do you agree that 10 teams in our uh, comp- national competition is enough? No, it's it's definitely not enough. I mean, and, and we were talking about this outside earlier on where I think that it's very difficult to establish a second division when you haven't got the A-League at its optimum level yet. Now, we don't know what the optimum level is. I think we all agree, though, that 10 is certainly too low a number. Expansion to 12, 14, I believe, is essential and needs to happen sooner rather than later. We had Greg O'Rourke on this program a couple of weeks ago, I think last week, and he said that is going to happen. It's on their agenda, but not for next season, but the season after. That's okay. Um, I, uh, I, I... put it down to, I equate it to building a home, building a house, a two-storey house. Before you build the second storey, you need to get the foundations of the first level um, and make sure that uh, it's, 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 it, it, it's strong enough to support expansion, in this case a second storey. To build a second division at the moment is, I believe, essential once the A-League reaches its optimum level. Things like in that plan, the name, the financial criteria, 
these are all points that can be argued. Me personally, I hate the word the championship because it's not unique. We already know there's a championship in England. Um, I'd much prefer, if it is the second level of Australian football, then it should be something like uh, they do in Japan. You've got the J1 and the J2. So in Australia, we've got the A-League. Perhaps it should be something along A-League 2. So it, it, it makes it very clear to the marketplace... That's the picking I've order. I've got a naming rights sponsor for them too. A2 Milk. There you go. There you go. We'll see we've solved a couple of problems for them. So, look, those criteria are a starting point. I, I, I think uh, they've done a great job to uh, to get together. I think that's one great thing you've got to give them is, is that they've found a unity of purpose. There is, there's, there is interest. Um, I'm a bit of a romantic when it comes to football. I, I'm a traditionalist. I love... Uh, first division, second division, I love promotion, I love relegation, um, but I'm also experienced enough in this game now in a country like Australia, we have some unique issues, some unique problems. That doesn't mean we can do what football does in other parts of the world. So we touched on this earlier, financial, uh, the clubs in the A-League, a lot of them still aren't financial. How can we expect second division clubs to meet those uh, type of budget um, uh, asks, $2.5 million at a minimum, to be financial in, in a second tier competition? Well, one, one test that I would put is um, if, you wrote, if, you, if you gave every club 12 months of uh, notice and say, okay, um, we're ready to start taking applications, put your licence fee up, I, I think you'll find that they're going to struggle even to come up with the, the modest 150,000 uh, license fee. Tony touched on uh, capacity in these stadiums, uh, like the, you know, I think 3,000 undercover. I would have actually uh, expected some sort of a, a level at 5,000, 6,000 undercover, um, a bit more of a corporate hospitality area. Um, you need to, you need to be able to attract um, the, the the money. You're not going to just do that through gate receipts. It's impossible to run a club on gate receipts. In some parts of the world, gate receipts equate to six, seven percent of a club's total budget. So I'd like, to, I'd love to know in the A League, Tony, what would the gate receipts at Sydney FC um, in terms of your total budget? Would it have been ten percent, fifteen percent? Ah, probably less than ten. Yeah. There you go. I mean, it's going to be really, really tough. So a, a second division club has to find some way of tapping into the dollars that are going to uh, be required to run it. I did a, a, a rough uh, calculation. Uh, if you're talking 10 interstate trips for a club, there's, you're not going to get much change out of half a million dollars. By the time you take a, a travelling party of 30 people, um, economy class, you know, four-star hotel, three-star hotel, food and beverage pack. You know, there's half a million dollars before you make a cent, and that's before you pay a player any money. This is just the cost of being in a interstate competition, flying that team around. So, I love the idea. I applaud the group for having that unity of purpose, and I've got no doubt at all that a second division is essential for the growth and development of football in this country. I would like to see, though, it shouldn't be left to clubs to try and work out their future. This should all be coming from head office. I, I think that FFA needs to have a very, very clear path for the A-League and for every other level uh, thereafter. And if, if, if nothing else, it's shown that people are getting edgy, they don't know where the future is, hence... We've got this uh, period of instability. We need a very, very strong FFA with a very strong plan. And the A-League expansion has to be number one, followed by um, a second division. As I said earlier, Tony, Greg mentioned to us uh, that they have got their strategy in place and their strategy is to increase the number of teams uh, in a couple of years. Is that too little for, for, uh, for what, we, what we need as a sport in, in, in order to grow? I think I think we should grow by two. Let's you know. Last time they you know we don't want to see clubs fold get folded. Um, you know, so if it's two and and you know it's going to be one in Melbourne, one in Sydney. They're going to do that regardless. Um, from twelve we go to fish 14. where the fish are is what David has said. Well, he's been saying that for a long time. I mean, but um, 
you know, there's got to be also proposals from those those two uh, cities I, as well. I find I, I have a philosophical uh, view that that is not the way to go. If you look at Mel- and the what, what I look at is Melbourne City and uh, the enormous. Uh, Resources they have at their disposal, and they still cannot get more than ten thousand people to their home games. Why would we want a third club in Melbourne when our second club, which has a big budget, cannot even get more than ten thousand to their home games? Well, I think someone hasn't done their homework. Um, if you look at the example of Sydney and Western Sydney in, in particular, they've got everything right. They found their own identity built around a a geographical part of that city and it's worked a treat and I think Tony it's even helped Sydney's uh, identity strengthen its identity for sure I mean you know the the derbies are you know the best derbies in in the A-League and and the crowds that you get are are amazing and it's that east versus west Mm. um, scenario City's arrival into the Melbourne market albeit it was hard at the outset um, and and it's morphed into uh, uh, Melbourne City. It's been disappointing, whichever way you look at it. They've not challenged um, the status quo. Melbourne Victory are a club that they're 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 a, a giant in 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 the game in this country. I feel they could go and grow into even a bigger and better club. But why would you, if you were running Victory? Why would you make the effort? You're not being challenged. So I think w- the beauty about the Western Sydney uh, arrival was that it challenged the status quo, and Sydney has responded. Uh, in Melbourne, I don't think that that's the case. But so the point is, Melbourne perhaps could host four teams. If you look at our ge- geography, we've got four and a half million people spread over 120 miles from one part uh, sorry 120 kilometers from one part of the city all the way to the other part of the city and if you get a map out and start chopping it up into geographical areas there's there there are catchments there that are not being serviced but we don't have the stadium infrastructure that's a that's a that's absolutely and a, for a, a team to work you need the stadium in that region well stadiums can be built yeah. i mean look at the wanderers look, their, their success is no uh, there's no question at all that their success in a very short amount of time forced government to pull down Parramatta and rebuild it. I do a lot of work in the New South Wales and I can tell you that um, there are going to be two teams based at that new stadium, the Wanderers and Parramatta, and the information that I get is is that the Wanderers are the bigger part of that equation. They are more important to the future of that stadium than, than, than you know a, a glorious club like Parramatta are. So it shows you the power and how things can change very, very quickly. I agree. Long term, we need to, to have those long term conversations. We need to lobby governments to, to build that, that infrastructure and we know that infrastructure is not cheap and that's why I, don't, I think the FFA should talk to consortiums like uh, the guys that, that you know, Beltekis of the world that want to go into Tasmania and and they've got a plan with the federal and the state government. They've got support of both governments down there to build the stadium. That it, it is a big, big advantage, uh, and uh, that is an untapped market. The same discussion with second division. You, you, what you don't want to do is stifle people's um, motivation and and incentive uh, to be a part of the game. So we shouldn't be saying no to anybody. What we should be saying is put your ideas forward, get your act together, put forward a case that stands up to scrutiny. Um, I think one of the things that David Gallup has always said that I've paid particular notice to is financial sustainability. Since his arrival, we've seen a decrease in the number of clubs seeking bailouts from the FFA. In the previous term, we had two clubs come in and go out very, very quickly. Um, None of us want to see clubs being put in only to then be turfed out two years later. It's, it's terrible. And I think if we, if we look at, say, the, the success of the Townsville uh, Rugby League team at the same stadium where North Queensland Fury uh, played, there's no question in my mind, and I, I've been up there, I think the Fury were, had, had a longer term uh, to, and, a, and a bigger part to play in the game in this country. And for me, it saddens me no end that they uh, were forced out. So to, to, to Tony's point earlier on, we don't want to be just throwing clubs in to make up numbers. We want great 
clubs that are f- that can prove that they're financially stable, sustainable. And what we don't want is a checkbook president like Clive Palmer. We all knew he had money, but we all knew that was a mistake right from the first minute. Uh, we all knew it wasn't going to last. And lo and behold, it's exactly... And it was an embarrassment for our game. And really, really concerning is the Gold Coast is actually quite a vibrant football area. It has a very, very strong grassroots. It has a magnificent stadium in Rabina. And for me, it's a slide on, on our game that we put someone in and let, then let them fall out. And I, I don't want to be a part of a game that does that. It hurts a lot of people, and once you lose a fan, it's very hard to get them back. So we've got to be very careful about clubs that we let in, and we, we, we want to keep the Tasmanias, we want to keep everyone that's interested in coming in, we want to keep them on the hook, but not sell them a red herring. Keep them on the hook and give them a plan so they know that somewhere down the track they've got a role to play. I think with expansion, um, you know, we've seen in Sydney and, and, and Melbourne as well, these derbies. We need to create derbies. And I can see Brisbane being able to hold a derby, even Adelaide possibly for a derby, um, and just to generate those sort of crowds. I disagree with on that one, Tony. I mean, how can you create a derby in Brisbane when you've got probably the most beautiful stadium for football in this country being a rectangle but it just looks fantastic on television I've been there I've experienced it myself it's a great stadium and we've had a sensational team over the journey or a sensational club over the journey in Raw and and they struggle to get 12, 13,000 people if they were getting 15, 18, 20,000 averages one could start to say you're right okay perhaps a team on the Gold Coast would have been the ideal rival. Close enough. Again, go back to your Perths, your Adelaides. Great stadiums now, NIB, Coopers. Two teams, where are they going to get the sponsorship from? All the sponsors, all the multinationals are all on the eastern seaboard. They're predominantly in Sydney and Melbourne. Who's going to put the money up? Tony Sage, I I hear rumours that it's cost him $30 million out of his pocket to keep the glory going over the journey it, it's it's a tough one Tony so where do we expand Lou I mean apart from Melbourne and Sydney where else do you expand gents oh. we're going to stop there for a second we'll be back with plenty more of this discussion it's a fascinating one after this short break you're listening to the football bo- stop it Welcome back to the Football Bosses. Michael Zapponi, Tony Pinata, and our special guest, Lou Sticker, joining us uh, in the studio, the Managing Director of Tribal Sports Group. Now, I know a lot of our listeners uh, so far in the first few weeks have been uh, involved in our competition to give away two tickets to the Money in Sport Conference uh, starting on the 12th of November up on the Gold Coast. Lou has generously uh, donated two tickets uh, for our giveaway. We're going to announce the winner shortly. That's $1,500 each worth of prizes, so $3,000 worth of prize on the Football Bosses. Thank you, Lou, for, for that. Just before the break, we were debating expansion. I just quickly want to wrap up that conversation. Tony, your point is, where do we expand if, if we uh, can't have a derby in Adelaide or we can't have a, another team in, in Perth? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, Melbourne, Sydney, no-brainer. Where do we go after that? Um, you know, we, we want to get... I think the optimum is probably 16, but let's let's get from 12 to 14. Eventually, we need at least 14 teams. Um where can we go, Lou? Well, we had we had the Fury. I think North Queensland is one that I'd certainly revisit. Um, we're aware of the interest in Tasmania. Gold Coast. Do you bring that up again? Or Absolutely. Is it, is, or is it just totally burnt there now what, with what happened? No, it's not totally burnt. If, if, if people and syndicates and investors and businessmen know that there is a long-term plan that there is security of tenure, that the TV deal is lucrative, that the clubs will be giving will be given enough share of the pie to at least cover their salary cap or other football club expenses. Um, people know that they have to invest. And you've got a great stadium there, which is a huge advantage uh, for, for Gold Coast. Look, tremendous stadium. And, and, and again, I, I really cry the fact that we've lost uh, North Queensland and uh, and the Gold Coast and you know we, we were talking about Brisbane that would be the logical rival you know 40 k's down the road 50 k's down the road an hour by car that to me would have been a sensational rivalry in the making over a, a sustained period of time 
uh, you know, we know that um, Canberra have flirted with the idea and people will say, but you know their population doesn't follow and sport. Bruce Stadium's a nice a nice boutique stadium I've, I've Beautiful been there stadium. before it's, uh, it's perfect size for our game great airport and you know you might say what's an airport got to do with it well I think if you're going to have an A-League team uh, and an A-League city you've got to have uh, the ability for fans from other teams to be able to fly in and fly out and also uh, to, to have enough things to do to spend two or three days making that investment to come over to, to Canberra. And we saw Wollongong Tony uh, have a very strong crowd when Sydney FC went there uh, pre-season last season as well. Yeah, but we've got to get away from New South Wales centric. They've already got you know four, potentially five teams. Um, yeah, we, we probably need to look at look look elsewhere. But first and foremost, what we need is we need FFA to sort out the the CGM and this voting and start focusing on building the strategy forward because at the moment, as Greg said. They're, they're ultimately now uh, looking at, at how to fix this constitution before they look at any other strategies. So let's get this out. Let's get the blueprint. Let's explain what is required to, to expand. And let's get this whole football moving. All right. We'll touch on the EGM late, uh, in, in future uh, editions of the program with the the, uh, the meeting set for the 27th of November. But uh, now that we've got Lou in here, Lou, I'd love to talk to you about one of the things that uh, that you've been very successful at doing over the last few years in your business is bringing international clubs uh, here to this country. We've seen the ICC tournament come into Melbourne, and and that's uh, you know been successful uh, to varying degrees. Some years yes, some years no. You've focused on bringing some of the big English Premier League clubs and uh, the Italian Serie A clubs here to Australia. Talk to us a little bit about that process and and how that works, and and the appetite for for more of that in the future. International football, I've been a fan of it ever since I was a kid. I mean, in fact, that was uh, one of the things that drew me to, to, to love the game as much as I do. In fact, I recall, and it shows my age, but I recall a tournament I attended at Olympic Park uh, where we had Arsenal, Celtic, Red Star Belgrade and the Australian national team playing in this uh, club tournament. Um, fans from that era will recall our national team was so lowly rated that uh, we couldn't uh, get enough international games so uh, we used the the visits of international uh, club sides for our national team to play against um, thank god the national team now is uh, is a power in its own right and yes we're probably experiencing a little bit of a low at the moment but we're still um, you know we're still a big ticket affair um, international football is the opportunity for fans to be able to go and visit, um, to, 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 to see players, stars that they can only see on television. Uh, some of us are fortunate to have travelled overseas to a World Cup or to a Champions League final or to an EPL game if we're in the UK. But let's say it gives everyone, irrespective of their socioeconomic standing, the opportunity to go to a stadium and be 10 feet away from Cristiano Ronaldo or uh, Lionel Messi, um, Paul Pogba when he was out with Juventus, uh, Gianluigi Buffon, uh, and the list goes on and on. This year I was very fortunate to be part of the two Arsenal games in Sydney and you know to be able to stand up close and meet uh, Arsene Wenger. You know, th- th- these, these are great advertisements for the game. Um, I hear criticisms like, you know, the Euro snobs will go and watch that, but then they won't come and watch the A League. Oh, you know, I really disagree with that 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 argument because, and Tony will um, please jump in. But the these international games that have come out since 2007, my involvement was with um, uh, bringing LA Galaxy out in 2007, and um, I've pretty much been involved in m- a majority of tours that have happened uh, since then. But um, to be able to have um, clubs coming along and then playing against A-League clubs and the money that that has put into club coffers, into the FFA um, the ability to interact with sponsors and bring new sponsors to the game uh, the opportunity to, to have dealt with different television networks, so it's it's been a fantastic um, benefit for the game in my belief uh, I, I've enjoyed it from uh, uh, immensely from, from the outset, um, but what I've really enjoyed is is that it, it's it's enabled uh, our game to touch so many people. Look, it's been great for for you know Sydney's been involved. You know, we had Tottenham, we had Chelsea, 
Um, you know, we had Liverpool, we had Arsenal, and it's been great for the brand. Um, it's put a few dollars in our uh, in the uh, balance sheet as well, and it's been very good for the, uh, the economy of, of, of Sydney. And that's why Destination New South Wales supports these sort of things. So overall, I think it's a win-win, and you're getting eighty thousand people to go watch these games of football. Can we see more of it next year? Was it World Cup? You make it difficult. Well, next year we've got Chelsea. Um, over in Perth at the new uh, stadium, so that's uh, that's going to be exciting. Um, my group and the people that I work with, all the various stakeholders, we're in discussions with uh, another uh, substantial club about coming out next year. Uh, we're already talking about 2019. You need to be working that far in advance. So I think that uh, we'll continue to be seeing some of the very best uh, of world football on our doorsteps. And to touch on the word that uh, Tony just used. Um, it, it, it's growing our industry if you look at the football industry these games just help us continue to grow stadiums who run as a standalone business now are counting on having international football as part of their yearly program they sell their stadium memberships based on NRL AFL and international football so we are becoming to, to touch on what I said earlier on we're in the mainstream now football is in the mainstream of Australian sport international games gives us exposure it gives us column inches in newspapers it gives us um, television exposure it gives us international exposure so for me I'm a, I'm, I'm a very very strong advocate for it Lou we'll take a break and uh, we'll be back to announce the winner of the Money in Sport Delegate Pass uh, coming up on the Gold Coast on the 12th of November this Welcome back to the Football Bosses. Another fascinating uh, discussion tonight, if I may say so myself. Michael Zapponi, Tony Pignata, and our special guest, Lou Sticker. Lou, thanks for uh, coming in tonight. Uh, it's been a terrific discussion. We'd love to get you in again in the near future. And you've got a big conference coming up very quickly. Money in Sport. It's, uh, it's on uh, the 12th of November for three days on the Gold Coast. At the start, we're looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's our third one in a row on the Gold Coast. Uh, a heck of a lot of fun. Great speakers, great uh, personalities from around the world. There's a lot of learnings to be had for delegates and speakers under the same roof for three days. Uh, it's, it's, it's growing into a bit of an iconic event, so we're really proud of it. Thank you very much for getting, getting me along. We talk about football industry and the investment in football. I'd like to congratulate the owners and uh, operators at uh, FNR. Incredible. And it's, it's, a, it's a big tick for our sport. So I wish you all the best. And Tony, uh, we've got a winner of uh, the delegate passes for uh, the uh, Money in Sport Conference. Yeah, and we've got two winners uh, who we... I'll be, I'll be there, so... Um, and Lou will be there, so we a good uh, few days. So uh, I've got Aussie2329 is his Twitter handle, and I'll get in touch with you. And the other one is uh, Grant Muir, and I'll get in touch with Grant as well. And... Uh, Hope uh, to see them on the Gold Coast uh, November. Thanks for joining us again for another edition of the Football Bosses. Michael Zapponi, Tony Pinata, and a big thank you again to Lou Sticker. It's goodbye for now. Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio.